Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. We almost started a goat business. Traveling the country by truck and trailer, selling goats. Then the price of gas costs more than the goats. And now we own over 200 goats. But the real goal was never to sell goats. It was to work together. Angel and Gerald Molenauer here. When Angel and I had the opportunity to buy Adams Fire Equipment in Salem. We already owned a lawn care company, so we couldn't resist. It's now Molenauer Fire Equipment. Gerald and I have come a long way in the last 23 years. Lots of laughter. Some tears. And a lot of prayers. Thank you to all who have supported us in some way on our journey. We are thankful. We are blessed. God has been good to us. And we want to continue to do things that will bring glory to Him. Come and see us at Molinar Power Equipment. We would love to see you. On Route 50, just past Bowen Alley in Salem. Anybody need a goat? Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast. I'm Dave Young alongside Stephen Semple. And today we're going to talk about Whole Foods. We're going to talk about Whole Foods. And here's the thing that I really find interesting about Whole Foods is that Whole Foods has an impact way bigger than its footprint, right? Like it is a big company, but it's not massive compared to other grocery stores. And really in many ways, in many, many ways, it changed the grocery industry Mm -hmm. because today, you know, there's organic food in Walmart. Honestly, Whole Foods stores, I mean, I've been in some that are sizable, and their flagship store in downtown Austin is pretty big, but there are grocery stores that dwarf them in square footage, typically. Yeah. And this is really a story about following your passion. Okay. And that's one of the things that really made it stand out to me. But we also got to recognize, you know, we're talking about building of empires here. And Whole Foods was founded in 1980 by John Mackey, Renee Lawson, Craig Wheeler, and Mark Skiles. And it started off as this 10,500 square foot location with 19 employees in Austin, Texas. And 37 years later, in 2017, Amazon buys it for $13.8 billion. With a B. With a B. Yeah. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. And it actually started before Whole Foods. It actually started as Safer Way Natural Foods by John and Renee. It originally opened as an organic bulk bin store, no brands. And it was really appealed to that small subculture hippies and was that really at the leading edge of the food revolution. This was interesting because John Mackey grew up eating Pop-Tarts. And he even will say he did not discover real food until he was 23. When he was 23, he got involved with the hippie movement and basically got exposed to real food. And he ended up working in a veggie food co-op in Austin called Prada House. And he got really interested in the counterculture. He got interested in food because it was this, oh my God, this is what it's really like. But, but he also needed a job. So he started mm -hmm. being a buyer for that co-op. And then he became a buyer for this other company called The Good Food Company. And this is really when he found his passion. And Dave, 
you might relate to this. <laughs> he dropped out of college, and at the time he dropped out of college, he was on track to get a degree in philosophy from the University of Texas. But he hit a course that was required that he didn't like. When he dropped out, he noticed he had 120 hours of electives. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm all about the electives. <laughs> He was working in this small store, a couple thousand square feet, but what he noticed was everyone was really passionate about the food. And he worked there for about six months and he wanted his own store. So he went back to the co-op and he told his girlfriend, Renee, let's plan on opening a store. So they went out, friends and family, and they raised $45,000. He had 10 grand on top of that and they opened up a store safer way. And he had never taken a business class they opened this store in an old house, and it was this super cool house where there's a store on the ground floor, restaurant on the second floor, and they lived up on the third floor. And in a lot of ways, he talked about how it was this great grand adventure. He had no fear. There was nothing to lose. It was all really great. And they lost $23,000 in the first year. <laughs> I've heard worse stories. <laughs> right. So I read a few books on business, tried a few things, experimented a little bit, and the next year they made $5,000, which is better than losing twenty three, uh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But what he realized was they needed a bigger location. They needed a real store. So they found this location that was this old nightclub on a busy street. He had to sell the board on expansion. And the board was like, yeah, we're not giving you any more money. So he had to find some of the vests. He had to really start hustling. And it turns out a guy he played basketball with turned out to be a millionaire. So Jay was a customer that he played basketball with who had a whole pile of money. And he said, sure, I'll kick in 50K. So he puts in $50,000 and now they've got money to go rent the location. Nice. And the guy who owned the place was this guy by the name of Min Powell. And they had to sell Min Powell on renting them the space. And Min laughed at the idea. Min said, this idea is nuts. But John, you're so full of enthusiasm, you remind myself of a younger me. Let's do this thing. <laughs> So they get this started, but they also realize that they want to make it a little bit bigger. And in 1980, they pitch a competitor, Clarksville Natural Grocery, to join forces. So they figure, let's join together. There was a condition because Clarksville Natural Grocery sold meat and beer and coffee and a few other things. They had to make a compromise when they joined forces. And the compromise was, sure, we can still sell these things, but we still have to make sure they're of this high quality. And it's at that time that they also changed the name to Whole Foods Market. The Clarksdale and Safer Foods kind of created that critical mass. It was an immediate success and there were strong words of mouth and people were really excited. Then they hit a huge roadblock. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. Brought to you by the Least Full of Shit Marketers Association of America. Yes, that's a low bar, but we clear it mightily. We're also the largest pay-per-performance branding group in North America, and that part's for reals. If you're looking for advertising advice geared towards local owner-operated companies, this is your podcast. And now you can pick the brains of these advertising geniuses over lunch without having to pay for lunch or even leave your office. We're talking 90 minutes of straight answers to all your burning questions about lead generation, customer acquisition, mass media branding, how to get off the paper crack treadmill, anything you want. And the only coin required is candor because we can't give no bullshit advice without basing it off no BS data on your company, competitive landscape, operations, and all that jazz. We send you a pre-Zoom questionnaire. You fill it out candidly and boom. 
Bob's your uncle, you're in like Flynn, and we'll be frank as fuck in giving you the straight scoop on all the advertising and business growth questions you always wanted to know, but were too afraid to ask. You'll also get our no pitching and no bitching guarantee. No pitching means we won't pitch you or try to sell you in any way. If you want more after 90 minutes, you'll have to ask. And no bitching means if you don't think the meeting was worth your 90 minutes, we'll send you a hundred bucks. Consider it us picking up the tab for lunch and putting our money where our mouth is. Sound like a not-so-full-of-shit offer? Well, that is what we're known for. Take us up on it at empirebuildersprogram.com. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. Nine months later, one of the worst floods in the history of Austin. Mm. Place was flooded out. It was looted. They thought they were out of business. Here's when you know you've got something powerful. Customers showed up to help clean up and rebuild. Customers showed up customers showed up to help them clean up and rebuild. They were reopened after 28 days. There was even a benefit held to raise money for the store. Banks saw this and stepped in and lent. The investors put in more money. And right away, they wanted to open up a second store and diversify. Now, when they opened up their second store, they discovered something. They opened it in the suburbs and it didn't work because the suburbs at that time still had not caught on to this whole idea of organic food and the like. So then when they opened the third store, they again made sure it was in a downtown location. Actually, it was not far from the original store in Austin. It had to have a certain type of culture and education and things along that lines. So they expanded in 84. They finally moved out of the Austin area, went to Houston. And by this time, they had 600 employees. And then in 88, they decided they need to really get bigger again and had to do some venture capital. And they had a real hard time hiring a banker to raise money for them because basically, here's how the bankers looked at it. They said, your market is too small because you're a niche market. And if it gets big, the major brands are going to take over. This was the challenge that they had in terms of finding venture capital. So the major brands are going to just do what you do. And in 1992, they gave up on the idea of the venture capital. And basically what they did was they went public. Okay. And they raised $28 million. And at that time, that put them at a $100 million valuation. And they could now grow. And the other thing that they discovered is they could use their stock as capital to acquire. So they could go to a company like bread circuses that they bought. And they could buy it partially with cash and partially with stock. Okay. They're just doing their own thing to grow this company, ignoring what the venture capital people thought. And between 92 and 97, so if you think about 92, they had a $100 million valuation. Five years later in 97, through expansion and buying of competitors, they surpassed a billion dollars in sales and had 70 stores in 16 states. That's a pretty good turn of events. Yeah. Five years later, they come to Canada. 2002 okay. in Canada, 2007, they opened in the UK. In 2015, 35 years after opening, Whole Foods has officially changed the food industry because Walmart started to offer organic food. Walmart is now the largest retailer of organic food, but this is the business that Whole Foods created. And when you hear John Mackey talk about this, he does not see... Walmart is becoming that big as a failure of Whole Foods, 
but as a success of Whole Foods because what he wanted to do was change the food industry, and he did it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's not a grocery store around that doesn't have an organic section and doing at least some of the things that Whole Foods does. Yeah, the story of Whole Foods is about following a passion. It's the dream to change an industry. It was about changing the world. It was not about becoming wealthy. That was secondary. This is like Netflix and Spanx and Burt's Bees. Mm -hmm. You know, Burt's Bees is another one that was inspired from the hippie culture, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It was about bringing this change, not about building all of this wealth. And it's also interesting how many of these businesses are started by people who don't have business experience, but what they do do is there's a certain point where they go, boy, I I need to learn a little bit more about business. He was a vegetarian. He understood the food, didn't understand business, but went and sought that information, got educated on it and really continued to drive towards that passion. And they also knew they had a great idea when the community rallied around them. You know, you really got something. That's just mind-blowing. You think there's not many businesses that would carry that kind of respect in their customer base. Yeah. Right, especially in a big town. You could see it happening pretty easily in a small town. Right. Where everybody knows everybody. In a city, especially you're in a downtown like Austin, and a flood happens, and you're just one of many businesses that got wiped out, and yet your customers came to your rescue. It's amazing. That's loyalty. And it's also like we've seen so many times as well. You have to kind of soldier through those early years. They lost $35,000 their first year. They made $5,000 the next year. And then, you know, 37 years later, $14 billion is what the business is worth. It's really interesting. You know, you really do need to soldier through these early years and follow that passion and learn a little bit about business and keep at it. So $14 billion that he can finally afford to shop at the store that he founded. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at the Empire Builders Podcast.com.